podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Basketball season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are recapping a more stressful game than it needed to be, but hey, a win is a win, and especially after the last two-game losing streak that the Jayhawks had, I will take whatever win I can get to get them back on track to be winning the regular season title in the Big 12, even if they have to share it with Baylor. Uh, to help me recap this game and look ahead to the game coming up on Saturday, which will ultimately decide who wins the Big 12 conference, it is Kyle Davis, analyst over at Blue Wings Rising, is joining me. Kyle, how you doing today? Uh, I'm better knowing that on Saturday we don't have to face the Horn Frogs again for a little bit. So, like, I'm I'm done seeing them. Uh, for for a while, I'm good if we don't run into them in the Big 12 tournament either. And you know they can they can pester a different team for a little bit. Yeah, seriously. Like I didn't think coming into the year, or even honestly coming into the week, that the Horn Frogs were going to be a bad matchup. But after two back to back games, I can I can honestly say they are an absolutely atrocious matchup for the Jayhawks. Um, I, I agree with you. I do not want to see them again. Uh, I don't know how much of that's David McCormick dealing with foot injury issues. Um, or, or what, but he just couldn't seem to, to have any kind of answer for Eddie Lampkin down low. Um, you know, so I, I guess that's really where to start. Like down low seemed to be a problem for the Jayhawks in both of these games. Um, so, you know, talking about that matchup and what we actually saw tonight, but also kind of thinking about how big of an issue this is potentially going to be moving forward. Was this a TCU matchup type of issue in the post? Or, or do you think this is a bigger, Kansas is going to have problems moving forward in the post issue for the Big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament. I, I, I want to say that it's a it's more of a TCU. I mean, it's all going to be about matchups. I mean, that's what the whole tournament is, right? It's about matchups. Um, you know, and, and there were improvements from Tuesday to tonight, especially in the, I mean, the offensive rebounding is the big one, you know, after after giving up, what was it on, on Tuesday, like 19 offensive rebounds, something ridiculous like that. It was only eight tonight. Uh, the, the rebounding margin was pretty even. So, you know, there were some, the, the killer last time was a lack of forcing turnovers and second chance points. So yeah, it's this defense though. I think it's, it's all going to be about um, just realistic expectations in the context of what you're expecting. You know, this is not going to be a team. I don't think that finishes with a top five defense at the end of the year. You know, a lot of people are comparing it to a lot of people are comparing it to the to the oh like the 18 defense that you know that team went to the final four. I think there are probably some similarities, but you know, watching this game, it felt almost like uh and, and it kind of gets, I guess, to what you're saying too, but just a broader point. Like it if we're gonna do a cross sport comparison here, the the Kansas City Chiefs defense for the year they won the Super Bowl where they uh the they're just lived by the bend don't break and and be opportune in your takeaways you know the steal by Ochai to to get it to three points uh you know 63 60 or whatever it was and then the the takeaway by Jalen with like a minute left obviously the block 
by Dwan Harris, which we'll get into the whole, you know, what the heck was happening at the end of the game. You know, they, they the defense does enough. And David, I think, you know, he's been mentioning he's for him specifically, he's battling a foot issue. I don't know how much that's really messing with him. I think part of it's confidence too, but at, at least I think Tuesday, they just got punched in the mouth and there was a pride issue where they were just outplayed and out physical to athletics that, you know, they showed a little more gut and determination. Like you saw, Christian Brown getting in there for, for rebounds a little bit more. So I, I think, I think like anything, it's going to be about matchups. I, I am worried about the defense and especially in the paint because we're allowing teams to, to just feed too much on, on high percentage two point shots. And even you saw the miscommunications there, like the easy backdoor layups and the miscommunication where there's something wide open, like that stuff is just, you know, where you thought that'd be cleaned up by March. And so I don't think I would put it all on McCormick by any means, because I do think sometimes the guards are, are either not doing enough to pressure the ball to making it too easy to get inside passes into the post. There's obviously a lot of, you know, we've been, the JI has been killed by down screens and just and, and cross screens over the past, uh, you know, few months, honestly. So in big 12 play. So, you know, Mitch hasn't really been that much more effective from a defensive perspective. Like there's really not the shot blocking element of his that we had seen in the past. So, I would say, yes, there's a bit of a concern down low for the defense, but no, I don't think it's all McCormick's fault. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't say it's all McCormick's fault because you're right. There was way too many times where, like, there was bad rotations. The one thing I will say, though, is defensively, McCormick has a very bad habit of overhelping on defense that l- allows his man to become wide open. We saw that with Eddie Lampkin tonight where – uh, I forget, I, I think it was PV that was driving in. Jalen Wilson had absolutely phenomenal position on him. Um, but McCormick thought he needed to come over and double team and try to, you know, help. And, and of course, PV saw that and like reached right around and just dished the ball off to Lampkin and he went up for an easy bucket. Like that happens a lot with David McCormick. I don't know how much of that's overcompensating, just trying too hard, um, to, you know, make the spectacular play and get the ball back when really he just needs to play sound defense. And there's a really, really good chance, especially the way that the Kansas was playing on the boards tonight, like a really good chance that, PD has to go up with a bad shot and they're able to get the rebound and then get a run out going the other way. Like that, that would have been the ideal scenario there. And instead McCormick made a bad read, decided to help out when he didn't need to. And it led to two easy points for TCU. So, um, you know, that kind of stuff has to get cleaned up. But again, I don't, I don't know how much of that is him trying to be, you know, like how, how much is that him just making a bad decision or how much of that is him trying to overcompensate for something that's going on physically for him? And, and so like, unfortunately, we're never going to actually know, like the only indication that we even had that he was having a foot injury issue and wasn't just being ineffective was one comment that Bill Self made, you know, as people were getting upset about other stuff. Um, so like, it's one of those things where we, we definitely don't have all the information. We can only make our best guesses based off of what we do have. But it, now that we know he has a foot injury issue, it's definitely, it, it's, it's definitely reasonable to think that a lot of the problems we're seeing with McCormick are related to that. Um, you know, I was listening to some of the post game stuff from, from various different sources and, um, someone had mentioned something about Bill Self saying something to the effect of, well, you know, if they can get the top seed and go into the Big 12 tournament, that they might sit Dave for that first game to try to get him some rest. Um, I don't know if it'd be a bad idea if that's really what it took, but I also don't know that a single game of rest in the Big 12 tournament is going to, you know, fix his foot, you know, to where it needs to be, especially since 
ideally you're playing, you know, two more games after that, that he's going to get back to back. So it's unfortunately just an issue they kind of have to work around, but rather than talk about all the things they did wrong, because they did win, you know, it's like, that's important. Um, let's talk about some of the big guys that really put played well. Ochai Abaji, um, obviously with 22 points leading score in the game. Um, I, he was definitely a, a very inefficient. And I think part of that was he was pressing as other players were struggling. So he was taking shots that he really shouldn't have been, but you know, 22 points on yes on 19 shots, but I still think he was by far the best player for the Jayhawks was doing the most. And you know, surprisingly, I think TCU left him open quite a bit more than I would have expected. Um, but honestly, it almost worked out for him. Yeah, and, and this is a, you know, he was great in the first, what, eight minutes of the game where right. it was something ridiculous where, like, KU had 24 points, TCU had 15, and he had 14. Like, it was, you know, and and you could tell, like, he was he was getting out of and running, he was driving to the basket, finishing strong. And then you saw in the second half, you know, I, I can distinctly remember one of the plays going kind of right to left on the TV, where it was like a, a double team fadeaway, you know, 18 foot long two pointer that clanked off the front of the rim. It's just like, it's, it's never going to be a high percentage shot. And I think a big difference, honestly, where we saw it, uh, the change in the second half is we've been seeing a really, and unfortunately, a lot of uh, passive Christian Brown which reminds, I think, a lot of us from last year. And he finally took a couple of nice open shots in the rhythm of the offense and knocked it down, and he was the spark offensively. And I think I, it's almost – I would like to see, I think, you know, Ochai, not uh, to a fault of his. He's You're right, he's forcing a little bit to try and make up from other people, but it's also, I think, other guys need to kind of step up and be a little more aggressive. And I would put Brown at the top of that list because, as we've seen, he is better when – he is aggressive and shoots and, and is not, you know, hesitant with a shot. I mean, he, he, he didn't miss. He was two for two from the floor because he only shot it twice, which is just insane. But his offensive rating was, you know, 141. Like he, he needs to be there. Same thing we've, we've talked about all along with Dwan Harris that makes the offense better when he is a threat on offense and, and shoots, even though, you know, he's never going to have a great percentage. Christian actually has a really stronger percentage and he has to be uh, he has to be aggressive or else teams are going to be able to like dare uh, Ochai into long contested twos because they know he's going to feel like he has to put them on their on his back. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. If, if you're looking at the shot distribution, typically you would probably want, you know, in a in a game where you have, say, I don't know. Well, I'm looking at what they actually had in this particular game. To get a general idea, you know, not, not counting free throws. Let's, let's see. They had 55 shots, right? In this game. So, so just a nice even number, 60 shots, right? You probably want about 12 to 13 of those to be from Ochai. You probably want like 10 or so to be from Christian, probably 10 or so to be from Wilson. You probably want McCormick to get a few inside, you know, you know, so, so 12 or something like that. That puts you up at 45, right? So that's 15 more shots for guys like Dewan Harris, um, you know, Mitch Lightfoot, Joseph Yesifu, Jalen Coleman Lands, Remy Martin, like all those guys to kind of split in the minutes that they have. Harris, like if, if Harris is taking nine shots like he did and Christian Brown is only taking four shots, like you definitely have something out of whack. You want Harris to take shots? Like I think six or seven is his sweet spot there because that means that he is taking those open shots that are, you know, that are bound to be there because teams still aren't respecting him. Even after he started knocking some stuff down today, 
like he was still wide open halfway through the second half and he and he and he was taking him like he had a huge three pointer there back to back with him and Joseph Yesufu right where he was absolutely 100% wide open nobody was even paying any attention to him and this was after he had already hit a few shots so it's not like like teams are really kind of changing what they do but over the course of the game after he makes you know the first two or three then they have to actually pay attention to him um, and, and I think that started to open things up for the rest of the team in the second half. But part of what Ochai's issue was, was that in the first half, it was pretty much Ochai and no one else. Like other, pe- other people weren't looking to shoot very much. Other people weren't doing what, with the exception of Dewan Harris, because I think he had a phenomenal game all around. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. Like I think this was, I actually wrote in the recap, I think that this might have be his best game the entire season, the way that he played. Um, you know, he, he, he was looking for a shot. He was very active on defense. He was doing pretty much everything you could ask for a guy like Dewan Harris to do, who is not going to be the main shooter. Like he was facilitating everything, everything that you want from him. Um, but you know, Jalen Wilson ended up with a really good stat line, but again, he, I don't think he shot nearly as much as you would want him to. And so, yes, I think your point about Brown is definitely there. Like when you are that hot, you know, going four for four now, now maybe he wouldn't have been as hot if he had shot, you know, 10. 10 shots. Maybe he only makes six of them as opposed to, you know, the four that he made, but that's still additional shots from a good shooter. That's going to open up things elsewhere. And is going to honestly should make it easier on Ochai because it got to a point in the game where everybody was going after Ochai because he was the only one that was consistently doing anything. And that's going to make his shots harder. It makes him less efficient and just makes it harder for the entire offense. And one of the things that we've admired about this offense all year is their ability to move the ball and, and the passing and assist. You can see, I mean, only 10 assists tonight and, and more if you want to get really kind of, you know, deep into the numbers. So basically they had an assist on 41% of their possessions. Usually the average uh, for them for uh, a game this season has been on closer to 54%. And you can just yeah. tell, again, that goes back to the point, like it was a lot of, Ochai dribbling isolation, trying to make something happen, you know, Brown and and Wilson turning down shots. Like there was not that flow of the offense where side to side, two extra passes. And now the defense is completely shifted to one side and you have two guys wide open for three. Like that just wasn't really there. And that's something that I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was something more. I'd have to go back and watch it again of, of a factor of what TCU is doing defensively or, Again, passiveness on the side, but I think that's something that you're going to want to definitely clean up by the Texas game and going into March too. And it's and it's not like this has been a trend. This was kind of an outlier. It's just a obviously a concerning one when the offense has, has been this smooth all year. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely one of those things. And, and this I think is what makes me more willing to believe that it's a TCU matchup issue, right? Because we saw players doing things and struggling in ways that they really haven't all year long. Um, yes, McCormick missing bunnies is absolutely frustrating, but that, I mean, like that, that's fairly normal. But Jalen Wilson, especially in Big 12 play, has not been shut down the way that he has in these two games against TCU, especially in the way that he's been shut down. And it's not like he wasn't looking to go score. He was, you know, slashing into the lane the way that he normally would. I mean, he only had four credited shots, but I, I counted at least two other times where he got fouled on the floor when he couldn't actually make a shot. So like he didn't actually get a, a shot attempt and then he did shoot seven free throws. Like two of those came late, um, you know, where it was like he got fouled twice when they had the ball trying to, trying to run up the clock, that sort of stuff. But there was two additional shots where he got fouled, wasn't able to make the shot. So like, it's not like he wasn't necessarily looking to shoot. He just didn't get credited with nearly as many, 
Um, I thought that was definitely in contrast to what Brown did. The other thing, though, is that Jalen Wilson was a rebounding machine in this game. He had nine rebounds. He was the only rebounder for the Jayhawks that had double-digit rebounds. Um, you know, actually, I'm looking. He was the only double-digit rebounder in the entire game. Uh, Eddie Lampkin over for TCU had nine, but um, Wilson had nine defensive rebounds, so he was the big defensive rebounder for the Jayhawks. Uh, you know, in this game, he also had two steals, one block, three assists. He was doing a little bit of everything. And so, like, I- I'm willing to give him a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt when he doesn't have a huge scoring game because of all the other things that he was doing. Um, so, like, I-, I definitely give him more, you know, more of that slack than I do a guy like Christian Brown in this type of game. Brown kind of brought the attitude at times. But but honestly, like, if I'm looking at a team at a player that fired this team up, um Mitch Lightfoot was really that guy in this game. You know, he, he got that technical, which was a horrible technical call. But, like, I, I understand what they were talking about on the broadcast is the ref had just told him and Lampkin to kind of stop jawing at each other because they were doing that right before the game, like, that play started. Um, but, you know, for turning and saying one word, you know, and it happened to be that he was looking at the guy, like, it, yeah, it was a horrible technical call. Luckily, it didn't, like, make the difference in the game or anything like that, but... Um, I thought it was kind of funny. It definitely fired the team up. And after that technical, they went on a little bit of a run. So that was great to see. Um, this team is finding the energy they need from a bunch of different places. It's just a matter of they need to get some extra consistency going into the Big 12 tournament and, and the, the NCAA tournament. So before we pivot over to the Texas game, was there anything else from this game you wanted to highlight? You know, no, I, I think part of it, too, you have to remember, like, not only is it, you know, this is in the span of what, so this is, this is the third game in five days or six days, but it's also, right. you know, like if, if this game would have happened on January 1st, like it was intended when TCU was, I think uh, I had it here 62nd in Kim Palm versus now they are uh, a solid 36 right by Memphis and Seton Hall and Providence and uh, Michigan state and a bunch of other teams that we would put, you know, more highly, I think than what they get credit for. Like this is probably uh, less of a game like it's it, and this is a credit to TCU so don't get me wrong I'm saying like it's it's a credit to how much they've improved over the course of the year and especially in big 12 like this is not a bottom dweller you know team that you're going up against here like they are probably going to give somebody a scare in the NCAA tournament and so yes so I think yes there are some problems that Kansas needs to figure out and some stuff that we saw over the last two days that has not been pretty but it's also a a case of, you know, if this, if these back-to-back games happened in January or February, the outcome was probably going to be different. And we'd be looking at this a little bit differently. And so part of it is you kind of have to chalk up to how the schedule fell and with the cancellation and the fact that they got to be tired and, you know, it's, it's the end of the season and just mentally going back and forth. I, you know, the, the thing that you have to credit more than anything is that after the way they got punched in the mouth on Tuesday, it wasn't always pretty, but there was that, there was that there was that retaliation tonight that you saw uh, that there was at least more of a fight and more of kind of the scrappiness and the pride there, whereas like they seemed awake. Like on Tuesday, it just seemed like they were almost sleepwalking through the game and ready for it to be over and get back on the bus. Like there was that that had that was shaken off, and and then I think the only reason was it was close is because TCU shot really, really well. I mean, they had like seven straight field goal makes at one point, and a couple of them that were very friendly bounces that you would have thought maybe happened in. Waco, the way it hit off the front of the rim and went straight up and yeah. in. And so, like, this is all credit to them. And I think that still, you know, even though you're not going to get style points, just the fact that, 
you know, TCU didn't, TCU on Tuesday was not a fluke. I think we can say that. And so the fact that the KU did respond and do what it needed to do and hit free throws down the stretch and closed out a tough game when they needed it for the big 12 race, like that is something that shouldn't be completely discredited. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and also just the fact that, you know, TCU also upset Texas tech, the, you know, the game before that. So it's not like, you know, Kansas was that the one outlier win for them. This is a good team that honestly um, is, is much better than I think a lot of people are giving them credit for myself included. Like, you know, I, I definitely thought, that they were a good team, but I did not think they were as good as they are right now. I, I mean, I could see them, you know, working their way up potentially to like a six or seven seed in the NCAA tournament if things go their way. Uh, they they are definitely capable of going on a run here in the Big 12 tournament to really improve their seeding. So, all right, I do want to turn to the Texas game um, because I, I do want to take a look at that one because of just how important it is. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk podcast. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. And we're back. All right. Coming up on Saturday, Kansas against Texas, senior night. Kansas actually has four players that are for sure leaving because they have exhausted their eligibility. They are super seniors. Um, you know, they don't have the ability to redshirt. Actually, they have one super senior that redshirted in Cam Martin this year, um, but four other ones that are playing, uh, you know, so it'll be, it'll be Remy Martin, Chris Tien, uh, Mitch Lightfoot, and, uh, uh, Jalen Coleman lands. Those four players for sure will be giving senior night speeches. will be leaving the program after this because they don't have the ability to stay. We also could be seeing the very last game for Ochai Abaji and David McCormick because both of them are seniors. Um, yeah, I think it's a fairly good bet that you don't expect either of them to come back. Now, granted, they might, but I, I would fully anticipate that they're going to be giving senior night speeches as well. So there'll be six senior night speeches after the game. Hopefully they're able to go ahead and get a big win against Texas in the actual game so that we can truly celebrate those senior night speeches. But, you know, looking at this at this matchup, um, what jumps out to you about this Texas team? Yes, Kansas lost to Chris Beard's team uh, down in Austin earlier this year. Um, I, I definitely think that there were some lucky bounces that went their way at the end of that game. And that very, very well could have been a completely different game. You know, if Kansas had gotten a few things kind of going their way, but, but looking at these two teams, what's the one thing that kind of jumps out to you immediately as, as the thing for Kansas to worry about in this game? Yeah, I think it's, I don't think it's going to be any easier to score. I mean, if there's one thing that a Chris Beard team does really well, it's, it's make it, difficult for you to to get into your offense and and they like to take away you know like the you could tell like watch if if you watch the Baylor game uh, against Texas on Monday you know like they they just had it in their mind that they weren't going to let Akinjo get into the paint and they did a really good job of that so like you know that they're going to probably put some extra pressure on Ochai there's I'm sure that Chris Beard is kind of scheming uh up some things Uh, the the big thing that I think from the last game is that you know 
that might as well have been like a like 1997 NBA game with the amount of mid-range jumpers that Texas hit in that one. Like it was ridiculous to where, you know, if you're big on analytics, you'll say, well, that's that's not a high level shot and not likely to be repeated. But they also shot terribly from three. And, and you know, like I don't necessarily I, I think. Kansas is this is probably one of those games especially with senior night where if you take away the just exhaustion of the fourth game in a week and and how much that could take a toll from just like their bodies being tired I think this is a game where at home you're not going to get the foul call disparity probably that you got in the Longhorns or maybe some of the ticky tack stuff to where it it might be kind of like that 18 team where the offense is just going to be too good that they're not going to let them lose. You know, like the Texas will probably find some ways to score, but you even saw that in certain times in the game here against TCU tonight, where it's just this offense is, it's still, there's enough firepower and you're not going to, you know, I think at one point tonight, they were two from eight from three, like you're just not going to keep them quiet from, especially outside long enough to, to keep with it. And I don't know, that Texas can score enough, frankly, like watching them the last couple of, of games and, and most recently against Baylor, it, it even when they're making baskets, it just it seems like they're often it's a struggle to watch. Like it's almost kind of painful to like the the links because it just seems like even just their sets and stuff, it's, it's just like painful to get into. So I, you know, what happened last time, right? Texas did not shoot well from three. Um, the, the, the total team fouls actually were knotted up at 21, but I think what the difference foul wise was that Kansas got a lot more fouls on their starters, on their key players. It made it a lot harder for Kansas, um, to really kind of keep that momentum going and Kansas turned the ball over a ton. Like that was really the main difference because Kansas actually shot better, uh, from two and from three, but they turned the ball over twice as many times. Um, compared to what Texas did. And that's what Texas is good at. Texas is good at turning people over. Um, you know, so Kansas really, really has to get the turnovers taken care of. They cannot afford to turn the ball over so much. Um, I think that they can actually do that, especially when you look at like Texas is not a good three point shooting team, whereas Kansas is a very good three point shooting team. They've cooled off quite a bit. Um, but they are still a very good three point shooting team. You know, Texas is good interiorly on the offense, but so is Kansas. Kansas is phenomenal, like much, much better. Um, so like, it's one of those things where you look at everything and, and everything except with, with the exception of like turnovers, um, everything favors the Jayhawks here, right? The Jayhawks are a much better offensive rebounding team. Um, you know, Texas is good at getting offensive rebounds. Kansas isn't good at necessarily good at stopping them. Um, so like, that's going to be one of the, the key things down low is kind of, is very similar to this TCU game. Like it's going to be difficult to kind of figure out what's going to happen there. Like that, that's going to go a really, really long way, but Kansas is much, is actually better at getting rebounds than Texas is. I don't know. It's going to be nearly as much of a problem, especially since, you know, Kansas was able to take care of it in this TCU game against a TCU team that is absolutely phenomenal offensive rebounding. I think they're actually the best. Um, even after what happened tonight, like they're the best overall team in the nation at getting their own offensive rebounds. So um, the fact that Kansas was able to do that at home is going to be a huge boon for them. The only, the main thing I actually would worry about is that this team being too overhyped with how many seniors there are on the team, how many you know players there are that one are all going to want to get in on senior night. Like, and, and Bill Self has shown a tendency to try to get as many of those seniors in as possible. I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see if every single one of the seniors you know, it was in the starting lineup until the first dead ball. And then they, you know, bring all of them back out. Um, obviously with the, like you either have to sit Ochai or David McCormick to do that. 
um, you know, with them also being seniors to be able to get all of those guys that can't be here any longer after this year out on the court. Um, so like, I don't know how likely that is to actually happen depending on, or considering how important this game is, but it's definitely one of those things where, you know, Kansas wants to get all those seniors, the opportunity that they normally get, but it is a very important game for them to win. So, um, I'll be interested to see what they do, how hyped up they are coming out, um, onto the court to start and kind of what they're able to do there to really kind of get things going. Looking though, specifically at what Kansas does defensively, um, like what are you worried about? Or, or actually, let me, let me flip that around. What do you think Kansas does really well defensively that is going to help them against Texas in this game? Yeah. I mean, I think, <laughs> is there something, <laughs> I mean, you know, we, you know, there, there's just so many options when we think of defensive strengths for, for Kansas. Cause I, I want, there's, there's things that I want to see happen that I think, you know, I think the, the rebounding is going to be a big one. You can't give, a team like Texas, especially with with guys like Timmy Allen and, and Christian Bishop, like multiple chances, especially with their, you know, they're not a great three-point shooting team. But I think what they are good at is three-pointers when uh, it's it's like the the chaos play, like there's a offensive rebound, everything's scattered, they kick it back out and somehow Marcus Carr is wide open or, you know, uh, Andrew Jones is wide open and then they can knock one down. So I think you've got to limit them to one possession. And then, you know, Texas will turn the ball over uh, like a lot of the teams in the Big 12. I, you know, you got to get some of those in unforced and and speed them up, because the one thing that Chris Beard also just that he doesn't like to do is Chris Beard doesn't like to play fast like he never has. He didn't like it at, at Texas Tech. He doesn't like it at Texas. His tempo is I think there's only about 20 teams uh, that has an adjusted tempo slower than texas plays yeah. so texas like texas doesn't want to get out and run and so if kansas you know the tcu in in, in uh, fort worth was able to completely take the jayhawks running game away and slow it down and keep it at a half court game i think and from a defensive standpoint you know whether that's getting more pressure from Dwan harris on the ball and and the other guards on the ball handlers like maybe you even go a little small and 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 get Yesifu and Harris on there together some to try and really put some pressure and force some turnovers and get out and run. Same thing with like rebounding is going to be big so that you can, you know, get Jalen Wilson grabbing rebounds that immediately starting to break and just pushing Texas a little bit more. I mean, Texas is pretty good at getting back. I just don't think they want to. And so, uh, you know, I don't know about from a, from a defensive standpoint about like X's and O's, I don't know if there's too much. Well, I think it's going to have to be like, you got to have your defense, lead to the kind of offense that Kansas excels at, which is getting out and playing fast and like make this attract me, get as many possessions as possible, limit second chances for Texas for some of those turnovers. If you can get them, you know, again, pressing and that's where the home crowd helps a little bit. I think that's going to be big because Texas, you know, they not, their home road splits aren't great. And so I don't know what it is. I mean, I haven't watched, every single game going back that they there's they definitely are a different team at home than on the road so it seems like maybe you can get to them a little bit and and rattle them and shake them up and speed them up and that's definitely something Kansas is gonna have to do defensively yeah for sure um I'm just uh, there's not really a whole lot more to say about that because honestly defensively like that's the key right you've got to make sure that they don't get those easy threes um you know, speeding them up is definitely the best way to kind of get them out of what it is that they try to do. And, and uh, you know, it was a little frantic the last time that they played down in Austin, but you're right. Like 
Texas doesn't like to play frantic. They can do it at times if the situation is right. But if you can force them to do that a lot more often than they're prepared for, uh, it's going to lead to good things. And I think a lot of other teams have really shown that. So I'm I'm definitely excited to see what they're able to do. I, I agree that I think that the Yesifu-Harris lineup on the court at the same time did a lot of things for Kansas in this TCU game in terms of speeding things up and getting TCU out of their comfort zone. It can do a lot of the similar sort of things against Texas as well. I, I, w- I was trying to actually look it up while you were talking and because I don't remember what the last time that Kansas actually lost a senior night game. Um, I was trying to look through Ken Palm. I couldn't find one. So like, it's been a really, really long time. <laughs> I don't remember how long it was. I thought I had a stat stashed away somewhere and I can't find it, but um, you know, I, I think there's a little bit of magic in the air when they, uh, when they have those senior night games, kind of similar to, you know, sponsor here on the podcast, home field apparel is going to bring their home field magic to the Jayhawks because home field apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere they are coming to, or I'm sorry, Kansas is coming to their lineup on Saturday, which means that there will be home field magic in effect for this game coming up on Saturday as Kansas tries to clinch at least a share of the big 12 regular season title. Um, you know, hopefully they can get a little bit of extra magic and Baylor will lose as well to Iowa state. Um, so that way, you know, they can just have it outright, but you know, uh, home field, you know, Hey, ha- already have more than a hundred different schools with those, those, vin- those vintage college logos that are absolutely phenomenal. They're going to be adding the Kansas lineup to that. And I have seen them. They are absolutely phenomenal. I guarantee you are not going to want to miss this. So head on over on set on Saturday. Well, that'll be tomorrow by the time you guys are hearing this. Um, you know, head on over to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code chalk12. You can get 15% off your entire first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping. Again, 11 o'clock central in the morning, uh, for on Saturday, homefieldapparel.com, the Kansas line launches. It is absolutely phenomenal. You do not want to miss it. Promo code chalk12 will get you 15% off that entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, Kyle. Um, to wrap us up here, like what's the main takeaway? Like what's the main thing that we still need to talk about that we haven't yet about this game that will either decide what the game is, you know, like decide how the game is going to go. Or even if you want to look past the game, you know, at this point, regardless of what happens there, like what, what's the main thing that Kansas fans need to keep in mind as, as we go into the weekend? I, uh, I would say that the big thing is, is obviously, you teed it up like Kansas isn't usually senior night. There's a conference championship, at least a piece of it on the line. So like, obviously it's important, but also it's not the end of the world if it does go poorly. And, you know, there's, I think bigger picture, like KU is going to be a fringe one, maybe two seed. I think the big thing is like, again, with the whole four games in a week is to stay healthy. You know, we're already saying like, Remy's coming back from his knee. He says it feels better, but, you know, it's still been slow going. McCormick's battling a foot. <laughs> Clements took a nice shot, you know, like uh, got some stitches to his head after the, the game on Tuesday. Uh, like the last thing you need is to come out of the stretch and head into the Big 12 tournament with another ailment and, and you know, Ochai pulls a hammy or something else happens. And so I think, I guess my big thing is I'm just uh, – you know, obviously you want to win. You want to take a piece of the Big 12 title again for, you know, a ridiculous, just unbreakable kind of run that Self has had in, in conference play just out of any coach ever. But 
the big thing I think is, is there is still more to come and more to play for after this. And, you know, I think the big 12 tournament is not going to be, you know, maybe you can get some rest in between there, but the big thing is just, you want to stay healthy and not have any big things that are going to shake up the lineup more than what we've already seen over the past couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I would say that my big thing kind of going into the weekend is that no matter, no matter how important it is to actually win the big 12 regular season title, right. So that you can set yourself up for that one seed. Um, I don't know that it's super important for this team to be a one seed, right? Like you look at the one and two line. I actually think the way that the regions are starting to shape up, if you look at a lot of the bracketology, Kansas may be in a a position they've been in a few times before where they're better served to actually not be on the one line, maybe go away from the Midwest region to go to some areas that have the best teams in those regions, right? Aren't necessarily the better teams. Uh, So theoretically, Kansas... I don't think they need to be as laser focused in on getting the one seed. It's really more about health, right? Like if there's something that they can do now to keep people fresh, but also to make sure that that health isn't a factor. Um, because you know, it doesn't matter how, how good the teams that you go up against are in, you know, potentially in the sweet 16 or the elite eight, if you don't actually make it there because you're not healthy enough to get past that second round matchup. So this is a game that yes, you want to win this game. Yes. You want to, you know, you don't want to lose on senior night. You want to send the seniors out correctly. Um, you know, and you want to have at least that share of the big 12, uh, the big 12 regular season title, but like, this is a game that Kansas fans should not get too worked up about as long as the team doesn't suffer any big injuries, you know, as long as they don't look absolutely atrocious and get bullied from start to finish and lose by 30, like you can handle a, a close loss in this game. It's going to suck. It's not great. Like I don't ever want to lose, but keeping the bigger picture in mind here, this is a team that is talented enough coming into the year that they should be able to make a deep run of the tournament, but that's going to require them to, you know, stay grounded, to keep moving, to make sure that they don't get injured. Um, again, I, I still think that they have a really good shot at winning this game. I, I honestly would have a hard time picking against Kansas because of everything we've talked about, how great they are at home on senior night, all the guys that they do have, the fact that I think this Texas team is still somehow a little bit overrated from what their actual true talent level is. Um, they are definitely getting more of the benefit of the doubt than I think a team like this normally would if it wasn't Texas on the jersey or Chris Beard as the head coach. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how all of that comes together. Um, you know, so I, I am, I'm excited for this game. I think everybody else should be excited as well, but, uh, Kyle, anything else you want to leave everyone with before we get out of here for the night? No, I think like, like the Jayhawks, I need to go rest up and, and yeah, get my for mind sure. right and ready for the weekend. Uh, yep. No, I would, I, <laughs> I think it's, it's, listen, this is the fun time of year. This is, this is the time of year you wait the rest of the season for so it's like it's it's stressful and especially for fans the last you know like since saturday it's probably not been the best for your health but like this is this is the this is the time of year that you that you just can't wait for the other 11 months so got to just enjoy it while it's there and then you know fingers crossed for a victory yeah as they say this is march this is the time of year that you live for in college basketball honestly i've heard that once or twice yeah, yeah just just a couple times. Like this is why I got in to start covering, you know, college sports because I love this time of year. I am a basketball fan at heart. I love college football as well, but college basketball has always been near and dear to my heart. Probably has something to do with the fact that I'm a KU fan, but um, like, this is what we really enjoy. This is the time of year that it's a lot of fun to talk about, to speculate about what's going to happen in the tournament and everything. So enjoy this time, you know, realizing of course, as we've talked about multiple times, you know, you know, we first were over at rock chalk talk and now over at blue wings rising, like the tournament is a crapshoot. Only one team gets lucky enough to make it through all six of those games. 
unscathed and and hoist the national championship trophy but this is the time of year where legacies are made where you know you get to live in the glory of the tournament everybody is taking a look at what's happening in the tournament um this is a fun time a stressful time yes but a fun time so enjoy every minute of it you know make sure you catch all the great coverage that we have kyle and myself over at blue wings rising rising with the rest of the crew that we have um, you know, we have a lot of great stuff going up there and uh, I anticipate with it being tournament time, we're going to have a lot more coverage than we normally do just because there's so many fun things to talk about. I know this is the time where we all get kind of hyped up. So, um, make sure that you're checking that out, but Kyle, thank you so much for joining me and thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast with us, Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for rock chalk podcast. So you can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people who wants to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Get your voice on the show. And I know with everything coming up in March Madness, there's going to be some frustrations. There's going to be something you want to get out. So make sure you head on over, anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get you on the show. We are on the 1012 network. A lot of great shows covering all the Big 12. Big 12, I think, is going to show out really well in the NCAA tournament, so head on over there. Uh, at 1012 Network over on Twitter to get links to all the great shows to know what's going to happen with the rest of the conference. But uh, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Make sure you guys visit our sponsor here on the podcast, Home Field Apparel. Promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. And check out all the great coverage we have over at Blue Wings Rising. That's www.bluewingsrising.com. Uh, we'll keep you up to date through all of March. But that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome one, welcome all, and yes, I want you to be listening to the Tortillas and Takes podcast presented by 1012 Network. If you are a fan that is of a team that has 12 wins, going to the national championships every year, that just loves to talk about all the success that your program has had, well, then you're probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you are a fan that just likes to really be in it every week, and, and really have a real good shot at winning it, you're also probably not a Texas Tech fan. However, if you have really high highs and really low lows and really drink quite a bit, you might be a Texas Tech fan. So come along and party with us here at Tortillas and Takes. We're going to sit back, crack open a cold one, eat some tortillas, and, and as always, we're going to stay wrecked, people. Sports Social Podcast Network.